The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. Bringing you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Um, the U.S. media has estimated that 2,000-pound bombs are being dropped, some 22,000 of them in just over six weeks. How has causing that much death and destruction, 80% of those dead estimated to be women and children, how does that achieve the goal of eradicating Hamas? And may I ask how, I'll just re-ask again, how does killing 18,000, 80% of whom are women and children, about half of whom really are children, how does that achieve the goal of eliminating Hamas's military infrastructure? Joy, can I, can I urge you please to be a, a little bit circumspect, circumspect of those numbers? They are put out by the Hamas-controlled Ministry of Health in Gaza. So are you, are you saying that you do not agree with the United Nations agreeing with those numbers? Um, most human rights groups agree with those numbers. You're saying you're casting doubt on that 18,000 number? Hamas has adopted a strategy of using Gazan civilians as a human shield for its terror machine. Let me ask you this question. If you were to discover, the Israeli um, uh, you know, military were to discover that Yahya Sinwar, who is the Hamas militant who planned the 10-7 attacks, was actually hiding in Israeli territory, hiding in, hospital, in a hospital there with his militants, with his men, would Israel drop 2,000-pound bombs on that hospital? No, we'd probably, if it was inside Israel and we had control of the ground, we'd, we'd send in our special forces, as we have in the past when you've got sort of terrorist situations, and we would eliminate him. And we have now. And you would not do that in Gaza? We have, no, we have. We're, we have sent ground forces into Gaza. We, we're losing soldiers in very difficult firefights between us and the Hamas terrorists. We will Let reach me... Sinwar. It's only a matter of time. Can you point to specific evidence that your counterparts in the Israeli government have been listening to the concern? They have, they have been, Phil, receptive to the message about civilian casualties and reducing damage to civilian infrastructure. For instance, when they went into North Gaza, we sent over a couple of uh, military generals with ground experience uh, to talk to them about their plans. They had a much larger force plan. They went in with a much smaller force in a much more targeted way. I'm not suggesting they didn't cause civilian casualties. Of course they did, but they did limit the scope of their operations a little bit and went in, in a more precise way. I want to come back to what I said. We know there's there's too many civilian casualties. We want them to do more to limit those, those civilian casualties. Each one is a tragedy. We want the number to be zero, uh, and that's what we're going to continue to do and continue to press with our Israeli counterparts. They knew. They knew. I, that's the thing. They knew it was going on, Willie. They knew it was going on. Netanyahu knew it was going on. They did nothing. There's an intelligence failure, and then there's a response to a ragtag group of terrorists. I mean, well, that, by the way, Netanyahu had been funding weeks, right. up until weeks before the attack. And uh, terrorists that the Israeli government will tell you live and breathe 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year to kill Jews. So why, why do they give them? Money. Hundreds of millions of dollars. 
Israel is still the bad guy, in case you were wondering. There's your uh, regime media coverage, the uh, anti-Israeli coverage on uh, MSNBC and, uh, and elsewhere. It's pretty amazing. It's as if October 7 didn't even happen. You can see why that that, that documentary we've produced, Israel's 9-11, it's been long forgotten. They're on to this. I mean, Joe there, he's like borderline conspiracy theorist, as if Netanyahu almost planned the attack on October 7. Knew, knew all about it, didn't do anything. I mean, he does mention intelligence failure there, but it's astounding. Joy Reid, well, what if it was an Israeli hospital and there was a, a terrorist uh, hiding out underneath? Would you bomb the Israeli hospital? Who holds any other country in the world to that kind of standard? Answer, nobody. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. Can't believe we're uh, pushing toward the middle part of December. The end of this calendar year is fast approaching, which means we're going to have an end of the year mega montage. You'll be excited to see that, no doubt, in just a couple of weeks. The live stream of this show is made available every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of these United States. Just go to TrumpetDaily.com or to the Rumble channel, rumble.com forward slash TrumpetDaily. And at Rumble, if you're at Rumble, try to open up an account so that you can uh, leave us some feedback so that you can give us the Rumble thumbs up and increase our standing, our ratings at rumble.com. Lots and lots to get to on today's show. In fact, I've got too much material and some of it feels kind of random, hopefully. Hopefully God will, will help to bring it all together, together and give it a good flow. I don't have a lot of additional information on on uh, Israel, but I just wanted to update you. If nothing else, I wanted to update you on some of the coverage just from that cold open. I mean, there's Joy Reid basically taking everything the Hamas, <laughs> the Hamas Health Agency, whatever it's called, the Gaza Health Ministry, it's Hamas controlled. And she takes the figures. I mean, there's the Israeli official saying now, you know, I don't know if you should take those figures as absolute fact. 18,000 casualties, half of them, women, children. I mean, women and children just being slaughtered. And then the, the, the loaded question, well, would you do that to an Israeli hospital? What, I mean, what in the world? Hamas, Hamas would have been destroyed long ago were it not for the regime media and uh, the liberal elites that hate the Jews. I mean, let's just call it what it is. The, the, this is the dear leader. I mean, the spirit of what you saw in that cold open, that's the dear leader speaking. Barack Hussein Obama, who's doing everything in his power to rescue Hamas, to, to bolster and to empower the mullahs in Iran. Notice there's nothing in there. There's nothing in that commentary about the, the, the number one state sponsor of terrorism. That would be the Islamic Republic of Iran. It's Iran that's, that's behind this. It's Iran that ordered the attack. 
And they, I mean, they come through this completely unscathed. I talked yesterday about Germany, how that they can trigger wars in the Balkans or in Ukraine, and nobody says a thing. Just, just shift the blame over to the bad orange man. In this case, forget about Iran. They're not even in the equation. But Hamas, Hamas is now the victim. And the problem, the problem with everything in the Middle East is Israel. <laughs> That's the thinking that the university campuses in the West, the United States and Britain in particular, that's the thinking that they're churning out every year. I mean, here we have just a tiny fraction of our population, whether you look at the U.S. or Britain, that are Islamic or Muslim, and yet they're, they're given such a, a huge platform. Their voice is amplified many times over. And then the Jews show up, to protest on behalf of Israel, and they have to they have to go running to some you know basement or library and lock themselves in for fear of their lives. That's happening in the United States and Britain. That sort of thing. How do you explain this? Well, there's a real spirit world. Ephesians 2 2, Revelation 12 9. Satan is he's been cast down, his demons with him, and they're confined to this earth. I mean, you look at what they, look at Acts chapter 8, read that sometime, and see what they, see what the demons did in the region of Samaria. That was 2,000 years ago. And now, here we are today, and Satan and his demon army, they're actually confined to this earth. They're not roaming about throughout the universe. They're confined to this earth, and what are they doing? Well, they're doing what they've always done, and there's examples in Scripture showing what kind of, of devastation they cause. And they're working through individuals, through human beings, through the regime media, to spread lies and propaganda, to spread uh, anti-Semitism right around the world. Never mind that that's just spreading like wildfire. Joy Reid, Joe Scarborough, they're still going to do their thing. How about Kirby? I mean, he's, he's there just, you know, kind of walking on, on eggshells. He's got to make sure he says it. He says everything just right, where it kind of has a show of support for Israel. But, you know, we've also got to make it known that we've got this message, that Israel needs to dial it back. And, you know, they're responding to that. So we're, we're heartened by that. For Israel, everything has to be so measured, so precise. I mean, the accuracy on the, the attack, it has to be pinpoint. I mean, it really does. Never mind. Never mind what Hamas did in those early morning hours of October 7, where they punctured the security fence, went right into southern Israel, and just started to slaughter, to behead, to rape, to pillage all of those southern Israeli towns. Speaking of the devil working through individuals like the dear leader, like the regime media, Listen to this unbelievable clip from Barack Obama's wingman. This is the former attorney general, Eric Holder, describing. Now, he's, he's asked, what would a Trump presidency with a Trump-appointed attorney general look like? And if you listen to Holder, he gives a word-by-word -word description of exactly what the dear leader is doing right now. 
to Donald Trump and all things Trump. Clip one. Can you just describe a little bit in terms of um, the role of and how it would transform if an attorney general, we're not looking at things purely from the facts, purely from the evidentiary burden and how to meet it, but instead taking directives on who to prosecute from the president of the United States. Sure. If the president told a compliant attorney general, uh, I don't like what this congressman said about me or did about me, did to me over the course of the last two, three years, whatever, open an investigation um, on that person. That attorney general could tell a compliant United States attorney to do just that. Talk to a compliant FBI director who could be replaced uh, by the, the president to open an investigation and then to just look through that person's life and look for anything that you possibly um, can find. Um, and uh, who's to say what you find in any person's life that might run afoul uh, of the law and even beyond that, the fact, the mere fact of an investigation of a person who is a public figure can be reputation ruining, can be politically damaging, not even if you find anything, just the, the fact that the investigation itself um, exists. And if you've got the full weight of the Justice Department, the full weight of the presidency, the full weight of the FBI um, focusing on somebody like that, um, that can be extremely damaging to not only that person individually, but to our democracy writ large. Even an investigation can be reputation ruining. And then you hear all these montages we play on this program. Trump is a dictator. It's because of these kinds of sham investigations. They're trying to throw Donald Trump and his supporters, in the case of the January 6th protesters, in prison. They're trying to throw people that just exercise their First Amendment rights for free speech in prison. As I say, that's a word-for-word description of what the dear leader's deep state is doing to Donald Trump. Look at Jack Smith. Yesterday, he's trying to move things. He's leapfrogging the appellate court, going straight to the Supreme Court, because he wants an expedited ruling on whether or not Trump, Donald Trump, has presidential immunity. This is what they're arguing in the January 6th case that Smith brought against Trump. I suppose you could read it two different ways. You know, maybe John Roberts, (laughs) the Chief Justice, maybe he's eager to take on the case as soon as it's unusual the way that the Supreme Court responded on the same day and said, yeah, we'll take it up. They've given the Trump team until, I think, December 20th to respond. And then uh, evidently in early January, the Supreme Court's going to give out a ruling to see if, 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 as the Trump team is arguing... Look, he has presidential, he was the president of the United States at that time. He has a right as the president to contest an election, to to bring in the judicial system, to say, hey, there's foul play here. You want to go after a a former president based upon what he did while he was president? Any wrong decision, any mistake that he made? I mean, that just opens it up for everybody. Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Joe Biden should be concerned. Well, really, they're not concerned because, as we know, there's one standard for a conservative and then there's quite another for a Democrat, for a communist Democrat. They can get away with anything during their presidency or after. But here they're going after Donald Trump. He's an insurrectionist, right? Because he gave a speech saying, hey, go and give your congressmen and women some encouragement 
They need to look at the fraud. They need to look at the evidence. And so, and so do the state legislatures. Fox News, it says, Special Counsel Jack Smith, Smith asked the Supreme Court to rule on whether former President Donald Trump could be prosecuted on charges relating to his efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. Smith's filing, this was yesterday, seeks to go around an appeals court that had initially been expected to handle the case. A federal judge had earlier ruled that the prosecution could move forward, though Trump's legal team vowed to appeal the ruling. It says here, the case presents a fundamental question at the heart of our democracy, whether a former president is absolutely immune from federal prosecution for crimes committed while in office. You know, you've got to put crimes in quotes, obviously. What crime did he commit? He gave a speech at the ellipse. He gave a speech. He gave a campaign rally, basically. People turned out in droves, by the way. Hundreds of thousands of people. Some say a million. It says here whether he's protected or whatever. Jonathan Turley, he weighed in on Fox uh, just to make the point about why Jack Smith is so obsessed to move this along quickly. Put play clip four. First of all, to this action that Jack Smith, the special counsel, took earlier today, filing a petition with the Supreme Court to determine whether or not Donald Trump has immunity from prosecution. He's trying to keep his case on track for a March start, which is just a couple of days before Super Tuesday. What's what's your read of all of this? Well, it's not that this has never been attempted before, but it is not the regular order of things. He Smith had just filed, or this matter was just filed before the D.C. Circuit. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he decided that he wanted to leapfrog over the Court of Appeals and go directly to the Supreme Court. The only reason for that is that he is uh, really focused entirely on trying Trump during this campaign and, po and trying to convict him before the election. The question is whether the Supreme Court's going to feel that that is such an urgent uh, priority uh, that you actually uh, bring this case before Super Tuesday. Uh, usually the Supreme Court likes to hear from multiple Court of Appeals. They certainly want normally to hear from at least one on these issues. Mm -hmm. And so they may not have the same sense of priority as Smith, uh, who seems almost obsessed uh, with trying Trump before the election. Is there any other reason other than politics to want to do that? Well, there's a tactical reason if Trump wins, he can pardon himself, and then Smith will never see a jury in this case. I mean, so if, if Trump uh, does prevail in the election, if he's not convicted at that point, he can mm. give himself a preemptory uh, pardon. He doesn't have to wait for the trial. It's interesting to just weigh all of the... The motivations here, perhaps Smith is, may, maybe this is an act of desperation, like Turley brings out there. I mean, the timing is, is crucially important for the communist left. They've got to get this trial going forward in March. They've got to get something decided before the election because they've got to stop Donald Trump. They've got to stop him no matter the cost, whatever it takes. But as to why the Supreme Court would take it up instantly, and, and say basically they're going to give a, deci a decision quickly. Maybe that's John Roberts. Maybe that's, the, maybe that's an indication the court is siding with or trying to help Jack Smith. On the other hand, what if it backfires? What if this case is nuked before it even gets to March when it's supposed to go to trial? 
I guess we'll see. 2024, uh, 24, the year of war, the war in 24, as we've been saying, quite a lot of lawfare. This was uh, CNN's take on the Supreme Court weighing in, clip 10. What do you think happens for this country if this court, which we all know is very conservative leading, which we all know Donald Trump appointed three justices on, what happens if they rule that he does have immunity? What precedent would that set? Well, it would set a precedent that the president of the United States is above the law. And I think the odds of that happening, given the Nixon precedent, uh, are somewhat dim. You would have to assume that this court, which actually has been quite unhappy and vociferous in some instances at the way Donald Trump has railed against the judiciary, uh, decided against him, uh, ordered him to turn over his tax returns, has not been very favorable to him. Uh, I, I think we can perhaps expect that this is going to be a judicial consideration based by the justices on their reading of the law and precedent. And there's other commentators out there saying, well, Trump's appointed three of those justices, so there's not going to be a fair ruling if, uh, if the Supreme Court rules in, uh, in Trump's favor, favor. There's Bernstein, of course, for his part, a communist through and through, hates Trump, get Trump. That's what Jack Smith is motivated by. Get Trump. The dear leader says, hey, forget about the appeals court. We've got to get this to trial in March. So let's go straight to the Supremes. This is from Axios. Jack Smith says, Special Counsel Jack Smith plans to use data from former President Trump's White House cell phone in the federal 2020 election interference case per a Monday court filing. Can you imagine this ever being done with the dear leader? Someone going after Barack Hussein Obama's cell phone? from when he was in office. Can you imagine the kind of content that you'd find on that device? This, this is reserved for the, for the bad orange man. Certainly not any other form of president or sitting president. The big picture, it says, uh, Smith plans to call an expert witness who has extracted and, proce and processed data from the phones of the former president and another unnamed person. No wonder Donald Trump doesn't like to uh, communicate with people via email because he knows he's got these kinds of enemies that will go and track down every little thing he says every little thing he emails or text messages it says here the witness would also determine the usage the usages of uh, the, the phones during the 2020 election period including on or around January 6 2021 Axios says Trump was indicted in August. Um, alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election, charged with conspiracy to defraud, conspiracy to obstruct. Well, and on and on it goes. The two-tiered standard of justice in the United States. There, I mean, just like Eric Holder said, you get a corrupt president. He was talking about Trump, but just change it over to Biden or Joe Obama. Change it over to the dear leader. Eric Holder says, you get a corrupt president. You get an authoritarian as a president. You get a dictator in chief. And he appoints a corrupt AG and then gets a special prosecutor or some prosecutor and some, some federal prosecutor to come in and give the nod of approval. I mean, look at what even the investigation can be reputation ruining. So says Eric Holder. 
Well, they're trying to ruin more than, uh, than Donald Trump's reputation. They're trying to destroy him. It's not, it's not enough to beat him at the ballot box. You've got to destroy him. That was what David Pluff said years ago. You've got to destroy Trump. Every single word from that little clip we played of Eric Holder is, is exactly what they're doing to, to Donald Trump. I thought this, this was on some podcast. They had Hunter Biden. Of course, he's been indicted now on all this tax evasion and, and uh, money laundering. I guess it's mostly according to the, the tax evasion. There's much more to that story. There's much greater crimes that have been committed. But, but notice what he said recently. This is the president's son, the smartest man Joe Biden has ever known. This is him talking about all that they discovered on his laptop and how basically he's saying it has halt. It, it hit even today. He's going with the party line from 2020. All those intel chiefs. That it's, that it's got all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Clip 17. This may not, in every aspect, be a Russian disinformation campaign, but it has literally every earmark of what the Russians did. Yeah. There's, um, what's it called? It's called uh, eliminationist rhetoric. Eliminationist rhetoric was something that the Nazis came up with as a, as a tool to, to undermine uh, their political rivals. And then Putin has fine-tuned it. And what Putin did when he was coming to power in the early 2000s was there were still some real significant voices of some and some with real money and intellectual public standing inside of Russia or living as expatriates that were speaking out against Putin. So what did he do? He didn't argue with them on the merits. He didn't argue with them about economic policy and democracy and the freedom to vote because he knew he'd lose that argument. So what did he do? He labeled them pedophiles. He planted child pornography on their laptops and their computers. And so maybe only 10% of the people then in the public would believe this. But then when he would turn around after he got 10, 15, 20% of the people believe in the worst thing you can possibly think about a human being. And then when he turns around and said, and also he's a money launderer and he is against the Russian people. It's a lot easier for them to believe that. That's Hunter. He's the, he's the one, he was the bag man, the money collector. He was just pulling in millions from all over the world and then redirecting 10% at least to the big guy paying him monthly payments even from his shell companies to the big guy, Joe Biden's accounts. And there he is saying that he's talking about all of the corruption allegations that have been leveled at him. And he says, this may not in every aspect be a Russian disinformation campaign, but then goes on to explain that it's got all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Yeah, they put all of this, this, this filthy content on your laptop pedophilia, child pornography. A few people believe it, and then they come out later and say, you know, it's uh, money laundering too. And then more people believe it because that's the way the Russian propagandists work. It's amazing that when these lies are completely and totally debunked, they just continue on with the lie. They, ne they can never admit they're wrong. That's communist ideology through and through. Victor Davis Hansen, he says, it's, it's Trump will destroy democracy season again. 
here we go again. And predictably, the left has gone hysterical after experiencing a trifecta of frightening 2024 news. He talks firstly about the poll numbers for Donald Trump and then how for Joe Biden, the fake president, they're plummeting. He says later on, too, unequivocal evidence is mounting that the Bidens are one of the most corrupt political families in American presidential history. Hunter, the Leona Helmsley of our times, is now indicted for massive tax evasion despite his earlier government-aided efforts of running out the statute of limitations on the full array of his crimes. He got the sweetheart plea deal last, last year, or this past summer, I should say. It blew up because maybe you had one honest judge in the mix, finally. It says here, when asked about his grifting, Biden angrily denies the undeniable. He can only become animated these days when asked to square his denials about knowing what Hunter was up to with a multitude of facts and data to the contrary. And so in exasperation, he shouts, lies, 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 they're all lies. Everything they're telling you about Hunter, the laptop, they're all lies. The big guy said that just the other day. Then you got Hunter on that clip I just played for you. It, it may not, it may, what did he say? This may not in every aspect be a Russian disinformation campaign. But look, let me tell you, a lot of, a lot of what you're hearing is Russian disinformation. Russia, Russia, Russia. And, and of course, the bad orange man, he's the Russian stooge. Got it. They're never going to let it go. They're never going to let that narrative go. Yesterday I went with, I went through that history on the Nord Stream 2. And Donald Trump standing up to Germany, standing up to Russia, standing up to Putin. Telling Germ, calling out Germany. Why are you entering into this energy alliance with Russia, with our enemy? We've been protecting Europe since the end of World War II. You should be coming into an energy uh, agreement or deal with the United States, shouldn't you? If you were really and truly an American ally, you'd be reaching out to the United States. In fact, in fact, what it reveals, as my father wrote back in 2018, it reveals the, the secret war against the United States and NATO, headed up by Russia and Germany. That's right. Victor Davis Hanson says, finally, there is now conclusive proof that Biden himself lied repeatedly when he swore that he knew nothing about the wayward son Hunter's grifting business. He used several aliases to communicate directly with his son's grifting and quid pro quo partners. Several aliases. I think he used four of them. Four aliases. And, and yet you've still got the regime media out there saying, yeah, there's no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Okay, he had a son that had some shady business dealings, but look, he was addicted to crack. Have some, have some empathy. He, he was a crack addict. He was a victim. He had a disease. There you go. This other piece that I want to go through, it's, it's from the Wall Street Journal. Trump as dictator is a classic case of projection. They're guilty of exactly what they are projecting onto you. That's the truth. So obvious. Trump as dictator. Here's another montage. Hopefully you don't weary of these. 
We let off the show yesterday with one. But here's the next day's montage on Trump as dictator, clip 13. At some point, the Biden campaign has to let go of the idea of running this a referendum on Joe Biden or running it as a referendum on Bidenomics and turn this race to here's the choice to present it before America. It's democracy versus dictatorship and it's your freedoms versus your your loss of freedoms in the course of this, including economic freedom in this. Court, a lot of Republicans apparently aren't worried about this. They clearly don't see him as a threat to democracy. Former President Donald J. Trump and his allies are not doing much to reassure those worried about his autocratic instincts. If anything, they seem to be leaning into the predictions. Uh, the GOP is now, in my opinion, uh, based on my years of study, it's an autocratic party. It is a party now dependent on violence, on uh, the threat of violence, on corruption, because uh, election denial is a form of corruption, because Trump has appealed to them as a kind of demagogue, because he's a superb propagandist. He knows how to tell stories. And one of the biggest stories, which again dates back to Mussolini and Hitler, is that he's the victim. Traditional mainstream straight media wants to normalize things. They don't want to look like they're being hysterical. So Molly, your new piece of Vanity Fair is titled Donald Trump's Dictator Promise is no joke in it to write, given that he and his allies have not been shy about planning an authoritarian second term, from installing MAGA loyalists throughout the government to using the Department of Justice to target political enemies. We find ourselves, Molly writes, at a precipice, with Trump making his autocratic tendencies crystal clear. Republicans have purged those in their ranks who have sided with democracy over Trump, like Liz Cheney. It is time for the media to warn voters of the stakes of this election, one of which is whether there will still be democratic elections. So I, the thing I'm so struck by is it feels like the mainstream media is addicted to giving Trump the benefit of the doubt, right? Because 40 of his 44 cabinet level people have said not only that they wouldn't work for him again, they wouldn't vote for him. And so who's he going to bring in? Is this going to be the Kosh Patels of the world, um, the Jeffrey Clarks of the world, um, the Michael Flynn's of the world are going to be the people who are going to populate the next Trump administration, a bunch of deranged sycophants who will just do whatever the masters tells them to do, regardless of the law and the Constitution? There's your, your army of feminazis, as Rush Limbaugh used to say, together with Chris Christie. We should have worked in John Bolton's mustache as well. All, all these women, these hysterical women attacking Donald Trump, talking about hysterical people. Look in the mirror. How about if you look at yourself in the mirror and, and, and consider your deranged commentary? Oh, vanity fairs against Donald Trump. Uh, join, join the club with all the others, the Atlantic, the New York Times, the Washington Post. These people all sound the same. Some of them look a little strange as well. Donald Trump, as, as dictator, told my wife this morning, Trump's still a dictator. Yeah, he's in his private residence in Mar-a-Lago, and he's the dictator. He quietly left Washington. He left the Oval Office on January 20th, 2021. He's the dictator, right? It's a classic case of projection. Good for the Washington uh, or the Wall Street Journal. It's exactly what this is. 
Cynicism is one way to explain the left's hysteria, they write. Another is that the portrayal of Mr. Trump as a would-be dictator is a textbook case of psychological projection, just like what you heard from Eric Holder, just like what you heard from Hunter Biden. He's exposed as a liar. All of them are. I mean, Joe Biden went to a debate stage and said that that laptop was Russian disinformation. He told the American public this. While, while, while campaigning for president, while debating the bad orange man. He lied, in other words. He lied. And then it took 18 months, even for the regime media. But, but it took 18 months. But even the regime media came out and said, yeah, it actually is Hunter's laptop. It's all his content. The child pornography, all of the prostitution rings, the drug taking, everything. And then what does Hunter say? As recently as this week. What does Hunter say? Well, it may not have all the earmarks of Russian disinformation, but look, it's, it's pretty, this is classic Putin. And then the reporter's asking the big guy about all the shady business dealings, all the, the money, the, the, all the money being wired into their bank accounts. That's all lies, he says. It's all lies. President Biden and his supporters project their own authoritarian impulses onto Mr. Trump because they don't want to come to terms with their own illiberalism. It's worse than that. They don't want to be on the receiving end of anyone that has authoritarian tendencies going after them. And I'm not even saying that's Trump. That's what Trump's going to do. But he has, he has vowed to come in and clean house. And to actually go after real crooks, real criminals. It says, with the stroke of a pen, Mr. Biden tried to cancel half a trillion dollars in student debt. I've had stories on this in the stack. Just haven't had time to get around to it. But he's just, never mind what Congress says. He's just trying to waive debt, cancel debt, and then add trillions to your, to your debt. The, the, the American taxpayer. That's an authoritarian. That's someone with uh, dictatorial leanings. He's just the puppet, as we know. Mr. Biden has abused his authority under the 1906 Antiquities Act to wall off nearly 1.5 million acres of land from fossil fuel development. There's your authoritarian right there. His administration has failed to enforce the nation's immigration laws, paroling millions of migrants into the U.S. rather than detaining them at the border or holding them in Mexico while they await hearings. There's your authoritarian. There's your dictator. The top brass has threatened social media companies with retribution, including antitrust lawsuits, if they don't censor speech that progressives dislike. There's your dictatorship. We know all about the cover-up of Hunter's laptop. We know all about... We, we know all about... Obama's deep state working together with big tech to censor the voices of political opponents. A phalanx of regulators, the Federal Trade Commission, Securities and Exchange Commission, National Labor Relations Board, and Justice Department has targeted Elon Musk's companies for sundry regulatory infractions after the tech entrepreneur criticized Democrats. Meantime, the Justice Department 
Special counsel has filed trumped up charges against Mr. Trump for allegedly defrauding the U.S. progressive prosecutors in Georgia and New York have piled on. New York Attorney General Letitia James even campaigned for office in 2018 on the pledge, on a pledge to nail Donald Trump. That's what she campaigned on. No case, no evidence collected, nothing. I'm going to get Trump. Just know this. If you vote for me, I'm going to get Trump. That's what she campaigned on, this woman. Crazy woman. It says here, abuse uh, executive power, abuse ex executive power, ignore the law, run roughshod over individual liberties, retaliate against political opponents. Mr. Biden and his allies have done exactly what they warn Mr. Trump will do if he returns to the White House. It says, unlike Mr. Biden, however, Mr. Trump would have to contend with a hostile media and federal bureaucracy that would be throwing pots, pans, and candlesticks at him every step. Look at what they did during his first term. Look at everything that they did to try to thwart his agenda, to prevent him from going forward, to prevent him from putting America first. It says here, some conservatives engage in projection too. Well, look at what Chris Christie said right there. He, he went right through the Trump cabinet. You mean, you, you mean to say that if uh, Trump gets in there, that he's going to have someone like General Mike Flynn? He's echoing what the communist echo chamber is out there as we played for you yesterday. They put, a, they put pictures. Tucker Carlson's here. Uh, yeah, uh, whoa, yeah, General Flynn's over here. Half the people on that list of potential, that's what we're talking about here, potential cabinet positions. They've been voted into office by democracy. And yet Chris Christie is out there to tell you that anyone associated with Trump is, you know, basically supporting dictatorship and uh, destroying democracy. Okay, got it. No wonder he's polling at less than 2%. Trump has an eight-point lead. He's increased his lead in Iowa since October by eight points. All of these attacks just giving him more and more and more credibility in the eyes of Americans. Listen to MSNBC warning about what a Trump presidency or another Trump presidency would look like. Clip eight. And I do think most people understand that in 2016, he couldn't do all the things he was claiming he was going to do. He's just being brash. He's being Donald Trump for The Apprentice. We like that he's going to shake things up. Now he's got a record to run on. And now he's on the record promising it will be worse from his own lips. He's promising it will be worse. Yeah. And he has institutional backing now, right? He has the Heritage Foundation saying they're going to fire all government employees, you know, not all government employees, but they're going to try to remake the, you know, the government in in ways that we hadn't even sort of dreamed of. This time, he's taken four years off, and he's really got allies that are very smart and know how government works. And you see his plans. I mean, the stuff they're saying already, this is the stuff they're advertising is really scary. So imagine what they're not advertising. <laughs> this is stuff they're advertising. Okay. Who, it, who are these people? Seriously. Trump's, he's the leading candidate in a Democratic presidential election 
that's due in about 11, 11 months. Less than 11 months, I guess. This was uh, CNN discussing the Trump phenomenon, clip 11. I think we need to step back and let's look at the wide view. We are an extraordinary moment in American history in which this former president of the United States, an accused criminal, is the subject of so much of our cultural debate, of our political debate, of our debate on almost everything having to do with politics in this country, with culture. And we've never quite seen a phenomenon like Donald Trump. And now we find him engaged with the highest court in the land. He's already engaged with the Congress. So we we have a situation in which we have a country that is fixated, and the media, and social uh, media, which is fixated on Donald Trump to an extent that no former president, even Nixon, has ever been the subject of. And so we have to look at a phenomenon that we don't know what this this means for this country. We have a country fixated on Trump. I wonder why. It's funny. It's funny, as I said the other day, to see Trump troll these people, (laughs) throw things at, yeah, I'll be a dictator on day one. And then these people, these types, their heads explode. They, Trump, as I've said, he's living rent-free in their brains. They can't think about anything else except what might happen should Donald Trump return. Trump as dictator, just a classic case of projection. The Wall Street Journal, they don't always get it right, but on that they certainly did. And of course, the Trump as dictator narrative it's not working, is it? Listen to this, MSNBC, on the, the, the Trump popularity, which just shows in their minds that the Trump cult is growing, right? Clip 15. Who's going to vote for Trump this time that didn't vote for him last time? I heard that a million times within the liberal bubble. Oh, no, they'll never vote for him. Well, 95% are going to vote for him who voted for him last time. Biden's down there about 20 points below. Biden's nowhere near this baked-in-the-cake cultist attitude that the Republicans have towards MAGA. They're cultists about it. They don't think about other candidates. These people are not changing right. their minds. They are, they are in the cults. They are with this guy in MAGA. There's no intellectual aspect to it. There's no, well, I disagree with him on that. Or I didn't like the way he behaved yesterday. Or what's he talking about being some sort of authoritarian for the first day? They don't think like that. They're for Trump. They're for Trump. They're, they're still supporting him. Even though he's a criminal. Chris, they, I guess, brought Chris Matthews back from the dead to make the same point that all the others make. This is from uh, Newsweek. Former President Barack Obama is facing backlash on Monday over a film in which he was a consultant which warns about white people. Well, there you go. The dear leader. The dear leader warning about white people. The same white people he said... They've got racism in their DNA. Did you hear anything about this story? Not from Chris Matthews. No, no. Not from the crazy lady at Vanity Fair. Not from Scarborough. Not from Chris Christie. No, no. Obama's out there producing films warning you about white people. And that's A-OK. That's completely normal. That's not dictatorial or nothing. No, no. Nothing wrong with that. 
After concluding his presidency in 2017, Obama has written a best-selling memoir, signed a deal with, with Netflix. He's, he's got hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, just like the Clinton family, just like the Biden crime family, all of them, filthy rich. And, and what did they do in life? Well, they're just career politicians. Yeah. And they made hundreds of millions of dollars. Nothing corrupt in that. No, no. It's just Donald Trump who actually made his fortune legitimately. That's right. And then he got into office, didn't even take a salary. How about that? You going to hear anything about that from the regime media? Of course not. It says this film, which was released by Netflix uh, uh, on Friday, follows two families forced to work together amid a, a, a nationwide blackout. It says as the threat grows, both families must decide how best to survive the crisis. The scene in question, this is from Newsweek, shows a black couple lying in bed as the, line, as the lines, I'm asking you to remember that if the world falls apart, trust should not be doled out easily to anyone, especially white people. Especially white people. That's coming from Netflix. Obama serves on the board. Obama, yeah, he's, he's one of the consultants, one of the producers of this film. Netflix film called Leave the World Behind, produced by the Obamas, includes a scene demonizing white people. White people are the only group you're allowed and celebrated to be racist towards, and it will be put into movies by the most influential people. That's a quote from the libs of, uh, of TikTok. And they're right. White people, they're the only ones that you're allowed to demonize. So says the dear leader. Barack Hussein Obama. My father writes in America Under Attack. If you don't have it, if you don't have it, <laughs> call the 800 number and request your free copy. He says here, these journalists have a critical responsibility to find out the truth and inform the public. With Obama, they instead routinely gave fawning coverage. They just swooned over Obama. Remember? The mainstream media were practically bewitched to this day, many journalists accept and promote what, what this man says, even when it's provably false, or even when it's racist, I can add. It's powerful evidence of the core problem afflicting America, a problem that has since grown significantly worse because the media swooned over President Obama. He was never held accountable. He was able to amass enormous power to do virtually whatever he willed to do, will worship, thoroughly weaponized, completely weaponized, the deep state, the DOJ, the FBI, using men like Eric Holder, and he's still at work today, running the government, the puppet master. When we uh, come back, we are going to conclude with a special clip that I think you'll enjoy. You are listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is The Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, you can reach us at tdatthetrumpet.com. We, we will be right back. Daily News. Bible Prophecy. See the connection on The Trumpet Daily. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the flood of news and information? You need something to sift the news and bring you only what matters most. You need The Trumpet Daily. You also need something to help you understand not just what's happening now, but what will happen next. You need The Trumpet Daily. 
only the Trumpet Daily accurately matches daily news to precise Bible prophecies. Because Bible prophecy is the only tool up to the task of sifting the news down to what's important and showing you what will happen next. Join host Stephen Flurry every weekday. Go to TrumpetDaily.com. Djokovic found controversy of a larger scale in early 2022. Unvaccinated, he got an exemption to play the Australian Open at a time when the country was coming out of a long COVID lockdown. But after public outcry, Djokovic was deported, making for a global news event. How much of a toll did that whole controversy take on you? It did. I was basically declared as a villain of the world, you know, and... You said so? Of course, and I had basically, yeah, most of the world against me. I had that kind of experience on the tennis court with with crowds that were not maybe cheering me on, but I never had this particular experience before in my life. There's uh, everyone's favorite athlete, certainly the Trumpet Daily's favorite athlete, Novak Djokovic, who stood against the world, as he said there. And by the way, the commentary... He wasn't just deported. They, de- they detained him. They, they locked him up, basically. He was, uh, he was confined to his house or his apartment or hotel, whatever it, w- w- it was that he was staying in. But as we've said so many times on, on this show, that, that man demonstrated some courage. Some courage to stand alone when everyone else, everyone else, was going again uh, in a different direction, I should say. And uh, for that, we applaud Djokovic, the best tennis player in history. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. Don't forget to email us with some feedback about Djokovic or whatever else is on your mind. TD at thetrumpet.com. Thanks for joining us on today's show, and we will see you tomorrow.